It's almost universal. Whether it's two wheels, four wheels, 18 wheels, no wheels, so many of us have a special memory involving a vehicle or a story about a car we've loved. Even if you can't tell a crankshaft from a driveshaft, I want to hear the story of the vehicle that moved you. I'm Blake Jackson, and this is Autobiography. Next guest on the Autobiography podcast, Canadian Country Music Awards star, Juno nominations, like crazy SoCan Song of the Year Award, both solo and as a member of the Roadhammers, a.k.a. the highest-selling Canadian country band in history. And you can hear him on the radio now all over Canada on iHeartRadio. Please welcome to the Autobiography podcast, Mr. Jason McCoy. Mr. McCoy, please tell us about the vehicle that moved you. Oh, man, for me, okay, first of all, uh, I was born in Ontario, and then uh, I was about two or three. We moved out to Camrose, Alberta, just outside of Camrose, like Bashaw, Edinburgh area. Had a farm out there, and my dad bought uh, probably one of his very first new vehicles. It was a 76 Ford F-150. Going to stop for a second and tell you about the 1976 F-150 with the 460 cubic inch engine. Well, this was the sixth generation of the Ford trucks, and actually only the second year of the F-150. Previous to that, they were F-100s. And uh, fun fact, the F stands for F is that a big engine. That was the second biggest passenger vehicle engine Detroit ever released. It was okay, though. It was economically, you know, it got like 11 miles to the gallon. So that's that's great there. Um, for this generation of F-100 and F-150, they actually got more room in the cab uh, from moving the fuel tank out of the cab. So in other words, they used to have the fuel tank inside the cab. It was the uh, super cab. It had two gas tanks, and they had the, I think it was a 460 in it. It was massive engine. But uh, So that was our farm truck. It had this really heavy fiberglass cab. Remember the uh, cap on the back? Remember the real heavy you know, like, yeah. uh, it took like four guys and a couple of two by fours slid underneath to get it off. Anyway. Yeah. So fast forward from 76 buying it new to 86 and me getting my license or 87, I guess. Uh, and it became my truck. So it was my first, my first car, my first, first vehicle. And, uh, and when I got it, it, it was, it was rusted pretty good. Cause we'd moved back to Ontario and Ontario salt and, you know, so the box, <laughs> I remember spending hours all this one winter we my dad and i we would grind the grinding all the rust off the box and welding in new, new bits and you know all that kind of stuff and uh getting it all done up um and it was my first vehicle so i, I put lights everywhere on this thing like i put i put huge west coast mirrors on it with, with running lights i put these huge mm-hmm. whips up the west coast i put i put like five cab lights across the top i put uh, massive running boards on it with lights everywhere and I met my wife uh, about the same time, but when I was about 17, and uh, and she used to get so embarrassed because I'd pick her up. It looked like a Christmas tree going down the road, but it was awesome, man. It had two gas tanks. Think of that. <laughs> two gas tanks. Gas just hit 137 a liter out here, so you're saying two gas tanks, and I'm getting sweaty palms just it thinking no about way. that. Right? Like, if I were your first vehicle, absolutely no way you could swing that these days. You could sit there and hit the gas, and that whole thing would sway like a. Yeah. It'd be like a. It'd be like a Mopar or something. Like it was just. It was just a stock truck, 
And the other thing was, is like it was a long, long box. And like I remember you could bead down any gravel road just after it was graded. And most people would be <laughs> in the ditch. This thing was razor straight because it was long as a whatever. And the other thing is you could sit on dry pavement and just honk on it. It would just rip the, the rubber right off the rims. It was all power. Oh, yeah, and the the 460, I mean, it went through a lot of gas, but it could get you wherever you were going in quite a hurry. Um, whatever, yeah. What happened to the to the old truck? Uh, my sister actually bought it uh, from me, and then she she went out to the East Coast. She, was, uh, she is an Air Canada pilot, so she was transferred down there at the time, and it was in Newfoundland, and they lived uh, near the sea, and so it got tons of sea salt, and it was on its last legs, and who knows where it is now, but... Um, man, I had made so many great memories in that truck. Like we, we played all over all of the legions and clubs all around my, my hometown area here near Barrie, Ontario. And like, I literally traveled everywhere. I could fit PAs and you know, amps and guitars in the back of that thing and camped in it a few times, you know, like if you had to, it was just, it was, it was bulletproof. Trucks are underrated for a traveling musician and, uh, <laughs> they, they didn't have the bench seats in the back uh, way back then, I don't think. Did, did yours have those those kind of fold-down um, jump seats? Yeah, it was like a baby seat. But it was the thing is, is that that seat was like, you know, everything's plastic now, and <clears throat> it's really light, lightly made. That thing, when you folded it down, it had a metal back, so it formed this, like, metal table that was indestructible. So you could put, you know, amps or whatever you wanted on it. And it was just, it was super heavy-duty. But, yeah, it was those tiny... If you're an adult sitting in the back, your ears were around your knees. But the, the truck always had, and not just my truck, but but those trucks. And I also had a lot of lights on it. Keep this in mind. But yeah. everything summed at the uh, at the wiring harness for the lights, right? So so I replaced the the master light switch about three times. It would get so hot that it would just all melt into each other and just short everything out. You know? Yeah. So if you had the old Ford, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That thing, it looked like a little cylinder, you know, that you'd, you'd have to take out of the dash. But, but uh, man, other than that, that thing was just awesome. And those glass fuses that would just shatter sometimes like shrapnel on your legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, you know, fun. <laughs> for sure. Now, when uh, when things really started popping for the band in your career, what was, the, was there a, a vehicular treat that you gave yourself? Yeah, actually, in Nashville, I bought a, um, I, well, I was in, you know, we lived down there for many, many years, and then all of a sudden I thought, well, you know, I'm making my way between Canada and Nashville, so I really spend most of my winters there, right? But um, I thought, well, let's get a cool little sports car. So I started looking around Craigslist, and uh, I found a, a Porsche. Uh, and I'm not, like, I'm a farm, like, let's just get this out of the way, I'm a farm guy. Like, I've got a tool cat like skid steer here and it's like I go pick up the kids from school and I, you know what I'm saying? Like that's me, flannel jacket the whole bit. Yeah. But I also, I also love cornering and I love, you know, I like cars, but I bought a, um, a 2000, uh, and it was a Tiptronic and it wasn't like all, it wasn't turbo or nothing. It was just your run of the mill deal. Mm-hmm. But the way that those things handle in the corners, like I'd take on ramps and off ramps, and I think I was, you know, like the coolest thing in the world, not going any faster than anybody else, but just the way it would lean into those corners was amazing. So I really, really, uh, actually, I missed that car. I sold it, but I was like thinking I wouldn't miss it, but I kind of do. I just, for what it would need to import it into Canada at the time, I was just like, yeah, we'll just, you know, let it go. Yeah, there's always something else you can find up here, too, and something else you can dream about. 
Um, going back to the old days with the the seventy six four sixty, or, or even now with the Porsche, or, or you know, music in the skid steer, because uh, they they have radios now too. What's uh, what's your road music like? What do you listen to when you're going out for a cruise? Um, you know, I actually really like podcasts. Um, so you know, I've actually uh, listened to you guys quite a bit because I'm kind of a car guy. So I like that. I like um, I like I like actually a lot of talk radio, even though I do. I do morning radio with Pure Country 106 um, in, in Aurelia. So on top of touring, I also do that. But I, I like stories, right? I like to hear yeah. what, what people are up to. Um, but as far as music goes, I'm, uh, I'm pretty much, you know, all, all my musician friends are kind of like, <clears throat> they like streaming. They like, you know, the, the Spotify's and all that stuff because they can customize their playlist. Man, I grew up on the radio. I don't mind the ads. I don't mind the the repetitiveness of, of the songs. A lot of people say, ah, oh, you know, radio, they, they do all this and they play the same song over and over. Well, they do because those are hits. They're the hits of the day, right? You want to hear it. And it's part of, and so I remember, you know, just back to the car thing, I remember listening to uh, 820 Cham out of Hamilton. It, would, it was an AM station. And, you know, if we put the put the radio right in the window, I could hear it all evening while I was working on that, that truck. And I remember the songs of the day, right? Like you'd, you'd have, I don't know, like... Uh, Earl Thomas Conley and Alabama and the, the newest the newest Alabama songs and stuff like that. So as you think back to those memories, when you have the radio on, they kind of it's the backdrop, right? And that's I like that. I really do. And I, you know, thinking back, I like huh, the nostalgia of of waiting for something. It's almost like you had to work for it. You had to wait for your favorite song to come on. <clears throat> yeah, I actually I remember um, Randy Travis. I was a huge Randy Travis fan. And so, um, you know, I actually got to go to a couple of his concerts at Maple Leaf Gardens early on, and, and I actually got to meet him through a friend kind of thing. It was just, like, just infatuated with Randy Travis because when I was a kid, you know, the, he was the first of the, the new crop of traditionalists, right? Yeah. So he came out, he had the whole, you know, Storms of Life and the Forever and Always album, and these were just massive records. And then it was like, okay, what are you going to do for your third record? What's the follow-up, right? And it was this, this album, Old 8 by 10 and I distinctly remember them saying, okay, it's going to come on today at uh, whatever, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, okay, I was waiting. And I had I had the boom box ready to go, the, the new tape, you know, everything ready. Yeah. And I had it recording. I still have that. And so that's what you had to do. You had to wait. And uh, there's something to be said for that. Now you just punch it up as no big deal. Delayed gratification. Yeah, exactly. I read that you were Canada's youngest licensed pilot at one point. Yeah, well, you know, it sounds, uh, it, well, I guess it sounds a little cooler than maybe even it is. I don't know. But when, so the youngest you can get your pilot's license is 16, but you can solo when you're 15. Okay. So I used to uh, ride my, I couldn't drive on the road. So I used to ride my dirt bike to the airport in my hometown here in Barrie. And I would cut grass and I worked in the hangar and a fuel planes and all that kind of stuff. So I was just a hangar rat. I just loved it. So I pretty much lived at the airport, but I could only get there and back on my dirt bike. And I was taking my uh, all my my lessons when I was, you know, 14, all that kind of stuff. And then on my uh, 15th birthday, I I soloed, mm-hmm. and and so um, I could, you know, fly around solo, but I couldn't drive to the airport. <laughs> so I, could get, <laughs> I could get in an airplane and go fly up to North Bay for breakfast and meet somebody there, but I couldn't. I couldn't drive a car, and then um, <laughs> on my 16th birth, so on my 16th birthday, 
uh, I got my license, you know, and the local news guys come out and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, on that day, I was the youngest licensed pilot in Canada. But it stuck with me. In fact, you know, actually on my browser, I have, um, I'm actually looking for a plane like my dad used to have. He always had Cessna 170s. And, um, and their tail draggers, like a real farm plane, because we used to have a farm in, in Camrose, and we used to have a strip on it. And so, you know, there are many a time, like I remember all these things, being a kid and going out and, and flying off the fields and yeah. landing on the range roads out west, like you're allowed to do that. It's just a, it was just a great way to grow up. That was my first plane ride, too. We landed on a gravel road. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And like, I mean, that's, that's the real thing. We actually had a plane land in Toronto on the 407 today, I think. <laughs> um, I don't know what happened. I think an engine failure or something. But it was a, it was a Piper, like a Lowing. And uh, anyway, the guy made an awesome landing. Everybody was safe. Nobody got hit. Nothing. It was all great. So um, it's, it sticks with you, though. You just, you just love it. Do you still fly? Uh, I'm not current. My buddy, he's a... He's a flying instructor here and so i'm just actually getting everything back in order and probably probably by christmas i'll, I'll get back to being current because it's um I'm, I'm actively looking at planes right now oh dear <laughs> i've got an illness now that would make for a great music video i'm just saying i think well you know there's a lot of musicians who fly i mean there's a lot of people who fly it doesn't have to be musicians but uh, our friend Corey Marks up in North Bay, he just got his license and bought a little uh, plane there. He's got a, a tri-pacer. And uh, Dirk Spendley, he's he's all about planes. And, you know, it's uh, actually Ed uh, from Bare Naked Ladies. Um, he actually was on a song I just recorded called uh, We Are One. And he, he used to have a TV show, you know, Ed's Up, and he'd yeah. fly everywhere. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, of We Are One, I was uh, just watching a video for it and reading about the concept. What's uh, Can you tell us about We Are One? Yeah, so basically um, my friend and Barry owns the uh, Barry Colts uh, hockey team, and uh, he's also a musician. So uh, when he was younger, he played, he played trumpet, and he was a studio musician the whole bit. He was a percussionist. Uh, then he got into advertising business and kind of got away from being a musician, made some money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And missed music so we reconnected here and he said look man i just want to hang and write and kind of do do some stuff and so we did and we wrote a song for the hammers called uh, zamboni and so which we filmed it at his at his rink which was awesome we got to drive a zamboni which was the coolest thing ever and then uh when this pandemic hit um he was like hey man we need to write a song maybe raise some funds for the musicians and all the all the people in the business who aren't working right now mm-hmm. And also just to kind of bring awareness to the fact that what we were watching on the news that day when we were talking about it was, remember all the people in Spain on their balconies and there was a guy with a guitar playing and a drummer on another balcony and it's like music was uniting all these people. So we released that song, asked people to take it for free, download it for free. They can still do it at uh, weareoneworld.net, make their own version, upload it to YouTube and share it because the more it gets shared, the more money it makes and 100% of the funds go to the Unison Fund, which uh, supports musicians and entertainment industry in time of need, which is now. Okay. We will link to it for sure. Right on. And just I only have you for, for um, a short while here, but if there was one car tip or, or truck maintenance tip or, or something like that that you could give to a young person, what would it be? Mm. Well, a couple of things. One is the second it needs it, do it. Right. right. Like, yeah. Do not <laughs> just leave it. I mean, yeah. even if it's fairly superficial stuff, you know, the more you keep up on it, it really gets it gets ahead of you. I mean, yeah. if it's a door lock that's gone or a, 
you know, window motor or, you know, a fuel pump. I mean, don't just, don't just let it sit. Like, you know, just don't crank it over a few extra times and avoid putting a fuel pump in. Um, you don't want to be stuck. But uh, the other thing is, um, you know, just, just enjoy everything about it. Like, don't look at maintenance as, um, as a pain. Mm-hmm. Don't go, oh, gotta, gotta do this or, oh, I gotta do that. It's like, man, driving's a privilege. Like, like it is so amazing that we get to get in a, a metal vehicle and speed down the road. Mm-hmm. And like, it's amazing. Like, it's really only a hundred some odd years that we've been able to do this in history. Yeah. Like, dig it, dig everything about it. Like, you know, changing a tire, you're changing a tire on a vehicle, man. We're not walking and <laughs> we're not you know, on horses anymore. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to fill up the steam wagon or whatever they had to do. But uh, my daughter just left. She's she's in the horses. She's she's just uh, down the road here. Her her mom went to horse. You know, we used to have horses on the farm. Hey, nothing wrong with horses. They're great. But I mean, gosh, it's a lot a lot easier just to go out and turn a key and go somewhere <laughs> than it is to you know shoe a horse and keep her going. Yeah, enjoy the process. <laughs> That's great advice. I love that. Right on. Become one with the vehicle. Well. Jason McCoy, grateful for your time today and, and grateful we could bond over the, the 1976 460 Ford engine. Oh, um, yeah. I've had so many calls about Chev trucks that it's nice to hear about a Ford. Oh, man. Hey, uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, I really appreciate your show. love what you do, and it's, it's just amazing because I think, you know, Everybody loves that that vehicle that really moves them, right? Oh, well, thank you so much, Jason McCoy. We love your music, too, and uh, hope to meet you in person. Right on. Jason McCoy, one of the busiest men in Canada, it seems, uh, on the road with the Roadhammers and his radio show, uh, airplanes and skid steers and his family. So very glad that he could join us today. I knew that uh, when I saw that video way back for Born Again in Dixieland, it had a Trans Am in it. I could tell he's a car guy. I'm going to want to talk to him one day. And it finally happened. So dream come true. Thank you very much. Jason McCoy. I'm Blake Jackson. Thank you for tuning in to the Autobiography Podcast. If you have a story to share, I want to hear it. And I'd like you to join us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies. They'll become your friends. All right, time for another story. Next guest on the Autobiography Podcast, the lead singer, guitarist from King Bull. He's been much recommended by Ryan here at Communal Creative Studios, Mr. Tucker McMurray. Tucker, tell us about the vehicle that moved you. There's been a hundred of them, but uh, <laughs> to start, I would have to say my grandfather, he had a 1962 Chrysler 300. Going to pump the brakes for a sec here and tell you about the Chrysler 300. Introduced in 1955 as a high-performance personal luxury car, so named for the first year that had a standard 300-horsepower engine. Model in question is 18 foot 4 inches long and 4,200 pounds. Now, under the hood was a 413 Golden Lion V8. 380 horsepower. Now, I try not to go all car guy on you, but it's so cool. It's what's called a cross-ram intake. Basically, if you were if you were looking over top and you open the hood, it would look like a water park full of, full of tubes, which apparently gave it more power. And it worked because in the quarter mile, this car that weighed four tons could actually get up to 210 kilometers per hour. Now, one of the most interesting options on the Chrysler 300 of this year was the swing-out bucket seat. 
So you wouldn't actually have to climb in. The, the seat would swivel out for you, which is great because I don't like people looking up my skirt. It was a big, a car that's way too big for anything practical. Uh, it's got massive fins on it. Uh, and I used to get to ride around the Black Falls Days Parade when I was just a little kid inside of that car throwing candy at everybody. So that's kind of the one that really struck me right off the bat. What was it about this car that really made you perk up and take notice? Well, the fins, man. <laughs> um, the fins, the uh, the taillights that this thing had. Chrysler had a 400 cubic inch motor in this thing with a uh, cross ram uh, dual carburetor set up for the, uh, for the carbs. I'm trying to picture it in my mind. The old Chrysler 300s kind of looked like whale sharks. Yeah, not at all like the new ones. Not like the wannabe Rolls Royce sort of thing they got now. It was more like the, it looked more like, uh, you know, like a 57 Chevy or something like that, where it's got the big fins and like everything's really stretched out and long, massive interior. And the big square uh, grill on the front? Well, yeah, the grills are somewhat square, a little bit round, a little bit like uh, something that came out of the 50s, but uh, like a bit more futuristic. The headlights weren't even round. They're like these weird teardrop-shaped headlights that the thing had. It was quite interesting. And did you ever get a chance to drive it? Oh, yeah, lots. Oh, is it still around? <laughs> uh, no, but my grandpa had me started driving when I was like six years old. Oh, yeah, as you do. <laughs> yeah, as you do. I've got an uncle that's got a 1972 Roadrunner slash GTX that is like uh, the holy grail of cars, in my opinion. Um, that thing is actually sitting in my garage right now, which blows my mind. Um, probably the coolest car in the whole world. It's got a pistol grip four speed and like, I don't know, a make 600 horsepower kind of thing. That one is, that's been my dream car since I was like probably 12. And the fact that I've got it literally sitting outside of my house right now is mind boggling. So it's your uncle's, and it's outside your house, your dream car. Are you allowed to drive it? <laughs> I think I'd have to ask pretty nicely. Where are uh, the keys currently? Who has possession of the keys? You know, they're probably in the ignition, knowing oh. him. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. You have a 72 Roadrunner. <laughs> exactly. That's the way I look at it. So you're a mechanic yourself? Uh, Yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of mechanic. I mean, I could fix everything under the sun, but how well I can fix it, I don't know. You'd have to talk to my boss. Mostly working on rail car movers, almost entirely working on rail car movers. Um, my my background in the automotive history helped me sort of blend into whatever the hell it is that they do because they all take in old traded machines and make them look brand new again. So being able to uh, kind of have the eye for detail and, you know, that sort of thing has really helped what is a rail car mover? <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a machine that moves rail cars. Okay. So just in the rail yard, if you have to move one grain car someplace, you hook on and like a tractor? Yeah, exactly. Like a tractor, but uh, it's got rail wheels that are built into it and it's got uh, wheels that'll drop down and carry you on the road as well. So like if you've got you know, three or four different sets of tracks and you kind of need to switch between them. You can do that. For the most part, people kind of just use them to uh, take a string of cars, like a, a grain facility, um, for example. I had a question a while ago from a mom with a boy uh, who didn't have a dad to teach him about working on cars, to teach him about car maintenance and, and that sort of thing. Um, if you were going to talk to a kid who is just starting out, wondering about how to maintain a car or, or to give 
give a young person some some advice about cars or vehicles or, or how to do right by them, what would it be? First and foremost, Google. Um, I've learned more on the internet than I've learned from you know half of the journeymans that I've worked with more than almost 100% of what I've learned from my father because he is not really that mechanically inclined. He kind of gets it, but not really. Do your own research, hit the mm. internet, watch YouTube videos. That's kind of the first one. And then school. I mean, uh, take shop classes once you get to high school. And if you're a little bit too young for high school where there are shop classes and stuff, like ask your teachers. I mean, uh, almost every school has one teacher that's kind of a older gentleman that has got some sort of mechanical background they're always like uh i had a teacher named mr verma in the eighth grade and he was not really mechanically inclined so to say but like a tech guy and he was always kind of showing me how to tinker with like small electronics and stuff like that so basically just ask questions i mean that's kind of the biggest thing and ask questions from everybody you possibly can whether it be google teachers friends anything if you're putting together a toolbox uh, i guess what's what's your most important tool what's the one tool you couldn't do without uh crescent wrench knuckle buster (laughs) yeah well i mean those things are good for uh their actual intended purpose of being an all-size wrench as well as a hammer uh they can kind of get you out of a pinch if you're down on a set of pliers um you know 100 different applications for that tool and when you are on the road are there any rules that you have to live by that the band has to absolutely absolutely abide by not really there should be we should implement some (laughs) like what uh to not leave band members in the cities that you played in the night before is a big one that so you have three people in your band it's yeah, not like you're chicago you know <laughs> it's not like your your lighthouse how do, how does one person from a trio get left behind it just happens just on purpose or on purpose mostly yeah. who was left was it you uh yeah and which city was it yeah, Saskatoon. Okay. Hey, I'm from Saskatoon. We can have a good time there. It's okay. How long <laughs> was a, it? Um, they came back within about an hour, thank God. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's kind of like home alone. I hope you had an hope you had an adventure. Yeah, it was an adventure. It was more than an adventure than I would like to admit, probably. So when you're out there and not not uh, not even talking about backstage antics or anything like that or, or hotel or, or anything like that, when you're on the road actually on the highway on tour what's the craziest thing you've seen or has there been anything unusual uh that sticks out for you well uh you know there's been a ton but since we were literally just talking about uh saskatoon and saskatchewan our first ever trip out to i think it was on our way to regina but i mean every road out there is straight for the most part uh, and then every now and then you get a slight curve and, uh, we were all under the impression that roads were straight and nobody crashed in Saskatchewan and our first trip out there, you know, there's a semi rollover in the median in between, a like a four lane style highway. I think it was highway one or 16. I can't remember, but like ever so slight of a bend and this guy obviously couldn't handle it. So I don't know what he was doing. He might've put it on cruise control. Maybe he was watching a movie and hanging out in the sleeper. It's hard to say, but for somebody to have flipped a truck on its side in the median in Saskatchewan, I mean, that we were all baffled. What's happening uh, musically for you these days? Uh, well, we just finished putting together a record with uh, Ryan, who is probably sitting across from you or something like that. He's three feet away. 
<laughs> yeah, so that has been a great experience. Other than that, we've been playing out a little bit. Obviously, you can't necessarily go on tour, which is what we'd really like to do. But we've been playing uh, kind of in and around Alberta. Uh, I think we were in Saskatoon just a couple weeks ago. That's actually when the band left me behind uh, for an hour. But really not as much as I'd like. This record that we did with Ryan should be coming out uh, sort of in upcoming months i'd like to have a single out in december so is there a dream car for you going ahead as as the career progresses and everything uh we'll open up again very shortly here is there anything on the list for you easy 1958 plymouth fury uh that car is christine uh from the stephen king novel slash film uh with halloween just passing it's a pretty obvious choice i spent so much time obsessing over that movie in that car when i was a little kid that that's the obvious choice for me well tucker uh getting ready for the interview i've gotten into your music in a big way cool i love it and i'm looking forward to the new album especially because ryan is working on it as well so thanks for your time today and uh hope i can meet you in person soon yeah thanks a ton that would be great Mechanic, guitarist, singer, songwriter, Tucker McMurray from King Bull, touring all over the place. Very cool. So thanks to Tucker McMurray. Thanks to Jason McCoy for joining us today. And most of all, most of all, thanks to you. Um, Really appreciate this. I really appreciate hearing your stories as well. And anytime you join us on Instagram or Facebook uh, or anytime you tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Keep doing it, and we'll keep making it. Until then, I'm Blake Jackson with the Autobiography Podcast. Keep your wheels on the road and a tarp on your load. Mm-hmm.